and welcome to this week's episode from A Lancashire Lass. Don't forget to hit subscribe or follow so you can keep up to date with when each new episode is out. Joining me today is Amy Wilkinson, who farms with her dad in Lancashire on a beef and arable farm. Amy is a Lancashire NFU ambassador and also an advocate for women in agriculture. How are you doing today, Amy? I'm good, thank you. Excited, nervous, (laughs) fine. (laughs) Good. Why don't you sort of talk about your upbringing and in farming and how and what you do now? Basically, obviously, I've been brought up on a family farm. My dad's always been a farmer. That's what my granddad did. And I just kind of followed them into it. Mm -hmm. I did a, I went to college at Mayuska and I studied agriculture. And then I carried on and did my degree in livestock and crop sciences. And then basically I've come home and now I'm still working at home, but I'm still hopefully trying to be a bit more of an ambassador for British agriculture as well at the same time yeah and so for people who might not know who are listening do you want to explain what arable is and what sort of a beef farmer is in a way yeah so basically our what I call arable is our crops which include cereal crops so we have wheat barley some people can grow oats all that kind of stuff so basically what is in your cereal mm-hmm. is arable and then we also have so our beef side is we buy in calves and rear them all the way through to finishing so they are they go to quite a few different supermarkets actually so yeah that's our beef side anyway great and I think what's important in this podcast is to get across how important um and crucial it is to back British farming and support the industry and the agriculture that is in our country. Um, how do you think, obviously, you're young, you're, you've not been in the industry and it's changing, but have you noticed a change in the last, say, 10 years or how is it changing the, the industry? Um, it's changing in loads of different ways. So we've had brexit we've had a pandemic we've it's there's more women coming into agriculture now it's definitely it's meeting different needs all the time Mm -hmm. so for example veganuary has taken off and it's all different issues and different I think there's a bigger focus on the environment now definitely than there was 10 years ago but there's just so much you could talk about it's never ending really so yeah I found what was interesting um from that environment point of view was when lockdown 1.0 as we call it was happening and sort of planes weren't flying you know travel had stopped everyone wasn't using their cars and commuting to work and the environment was cleaner wasn't it there was less well the the it was in Venice, um, the canals and everything were cleaner. People said in Blackpool, the sea was blue. Like everything was so much better. And yet farming was still carrying on. And so I wonder what your, your sort of 
response to that would be when people say, well, farming's bad for the environment, but you carried on through the lock through the pandemic and the lockdown. Uh, agriculture can be used as a massive scapegoat in the whole kind of climate change issue. Mm -hmm. So, but obviously last year showed us there were still as many cows in the UK, but all of the emissions dropped dramatically. So you, it, it's not a one answer issue. You have to look into it more, but I think the UK is on the right path. Like the NFU has promised to meet net zero by 2040. Wow. So that's, so we are getting there and agriculture is the only industry that can play a role in actually kind of improving the environment and making it mitigating emissions etc so yeah. yeah how how is they going to do that do you know like any things that are going to be happening um so currently around i think it's 40 percent of british farmers produce renewable energy mm -hmm. so they produce i think it's about 10 percent of the uk's needs yeah it supplies about 10 million people there's all sorts of stuff so there's carbon storage which when David Attenborough comes on the TV and says the rainforest stores this much carbon, mm -hmm. well, here in the UK, that is actually our carbon's best carbon stores are actually our grasslands, so our grazing areas and stuff like that. Yeah. So they need looking after to mitigate all these emissions that we are producing in like the modern day UK. Yeah. But it's all sorts of different stuff. It's it is it's actually a really exciting industry to be part of at the minute because of this focus on kind of the climate change and all that kind of stuff so and I guess sort of farmers now have more of a responsibility as like landowners and looking after the land and looking after the animals to help and improve the environment and to do that they've sort of got more of a responsibility to sort of educate themselves but also educate others on how they can help the environment to be cleaner Massively, yeah. So I think the past year, I think it's given everyone a huge respect for the British countryside because we've not been able to go anywhere else. Mm. And it's shown it does need looking after and the people looking after it are the farmers. So I think the public does need some more kind of education on the right way yeah. to behave in the countryside because there is some stuff that's happened during lockdown that you can't stuff like there's sheep worrying has gone through the roof and there's litter and there's uh, one big story in uh, the farming press at the minute is a public footpath is meant to be 1.5 meters wide mm -hmm. and across one farmer's field the public have made it now six meters wide wow. which it causes like a loss to all his crops but it also causes like compaction it can affect like mitigation of carbon and all that kind yeah. of stuff so yeah how has it been in lockdown obviously farmers are key workers they don't stop we're all clapping yeah. for you on a on a Thursday <laughs> night <laughs> along with all the other key workers out there in the hospitals and NHS and everywhere um but you know you didn't stop I think that was another thing that the British public have appreciated that you have not stopped working. Farming is 24 seven, it never stops. It's always continuous. How different was it in lockdown for you? Was it 
how was it yeah how did you find it um so personally for me it was busy like I was very lucky to the fact that I had a job to do every single day I got up and I could go to work kind of thing I was very lucky for that the only thing I really missed is kind of my social life like everyone but during the summer when the rules were relaxed and more people were going out it was harvest so I couldn't really go out and enjoy it like well most farmers couldn't really go out and enjoy it like everybody else then when the kind of September rolled around and they were starting to kind of put all the rules stricter again Mm -hmm. we were a bit like oh right okay we missed our chance but no but I've been really lucky we're very lucky in the fact that our industry can continue yeah it's not like the hospitality industry but the hospitality industry massively affects the agricultural industry because like during the first lockdown when the government said everywhere needs to shut kind of thing like McDonald's was shut coffee shops etc that basically left the whole of the market controlled by supermarkets yeah so it's not very after shot in the first lockdown or were they able to stay open they were they were able to stay open but farm shops only control like a small percentage if that makes sense compared to like the big supermarkets who can literally name the price that they're going to pay on everything Mm. and because coffee shops and places like that were shut there was a surplus and it was actually like dairy farmers were pouring milk down the drain because they couldn't sell it anywhere and I saw some of that on Facebook and it's just like to me I can just see all the work that's gone into doing that and just I felt so devastated for them but listen you might not know I've although I'm not a farmer been brought up all my grandparents and still most of my extended family are still farming and my dad and my mum were brought up on farms but dad decided to be a vet your vet actually which I yeah he is my vet. <laughs> <laughs> um and so I've sort of got that understanding as well but yeah that just when all that milk was going down the drains and it's just so sad um and there's been a few supermarkets one in particular Tesco recently that um has just been discounting and discounting was it vegetables that or milk veg uh veg so over christmas like tesco was selling veg for 19p and it's not just tesco there was other supermarkets selling it for cheaper but the one problem if it's not the farmer taking the hit on that price which i doubt it's tesco taking the hit on such a low price it kind of takes away all the effort and the time and the money that's gone into growing that produce it doesn't allow the consumer to see oh it must be easy to grow because it's 19p but it's not kind of thing and then when there was all the issues at the border kind of in the eu border and all that happened when was that when the new variant was that the new variant yeah so then the border shut and then people were worrying about food shortages and i was thinking we have food made, like produced in England, but carry on. You then went yeah. travel through this, so explain that <laughs> as well. <laughs> yeah, so it kind of just annoyed me because it, the media, a lot of it was saying, oh, we might struggle to get 
um, kind of our Christmas dinners, etc. But the whole point of a Christmas dinner is it's British seasonal food. Like you, you're going to get it because British farmers are going to produce it for you. Yeah. And there is enough to go around. However, it was massive in 2018 and then it died off again in the fact that supermarkets, the wonky veg kind of thing, yeah. they don't, they reject so much veg. For different and, shapes, isn't it? Is it like yeah. small or if they're not? So they basically just go and they either go to kind of biomass converters or they get fed to cattle or <laughs> different animals. And it, it just felt really wrong to me that it was saying, oh, like British farmers can't provide for us. Well, yeah. we are providing for you, but the, it's just not getting to the shelves. So basically I took a picture, I shared it on Facebook and it went a bit mental. <laughs> there was a picture of you holding like some carrot, which was a bit not supermarket stereotyped. No, um, it, it looked like a boy carrot, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good way of putting it. And um, <laughs> so, were they your your carrots? Um, they are actually. They're a local farmer who provi- uh, produces for Aldi. Oh wow! And, yeah, so they got rejected. And literally all these carrots are fine. Like, yeah, I go in the yard and eat them. They'll taste fine. They'll just look different. Well, yeah. Who cares what their food looks like with carrots and things? Because you peel them, you chop them up anyway. It doesn't really look like... It doesn't... Eat no. Yeah, so, so how many likes and shares did this get? Thousands. Oh, I start looking, but, like, people were saying it was, like... 40,000 getting up to 50,000 it was a bit mental I kept that <laughs> night I was like oh what's up now like and then after like I must have checked like once and then once because I obviously don't have anything better to do and it had gone up like 2,000 within a minute I was like this is big like everyone yeah was loving it because it was such an important message um with the boy carrot <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that that annoyed me about that particular picture of Tesco but then there was an argument that someone said, and it was like, well, if it's not 19p, people won't be able to afford their Christmas dinner and their food. And I thought, but if it is 19p, farmers, some farmers might not be able to afford to keep going at this rate. You know, yeah. it's all a balance. Yeah, obviously, what well, that's first main priority. We want cheap enough food to so that anyone can afford it. Like, mm-hmm. I know this past year has been really tough and there's more people going to food banks etc but you also have to support the people who are actually providing the food yeah that's important it's it's a big cycle really and it's just it's it is a balance like you said but 19p for the time the effort the money that's gone into producing that veg the hard work it's it doesn't really sit right with me somehow but so for that bag of carrots that they were selling for 19p how much time money effort goes into it just so people can get a comparison they've paid 19p for what should be what uh we've we went land to a farmer mm-hmm. who actually grows carrots and you can just see so he'll sow them Mm-hmm. Well, first he needs to cultivate land. That's all the 
people hours, tractor hours, diesel. Then he has to sew them and then he has to spray them. He has to well, spray them. And then eventually, once they've grown big enough and they've gone through so many checks for the supermarket, mm-hmm. he then comes and he's currently digging at the minute. And he's paying three people to dig these carrots and then there's wagons coming up and down so he's paying all the yeah it's it's a lot as well it's supporting so many jobs in a time where there isn't many jobs about so you won't have been furloughed (laughs) no so it's it's difficult to put a number on it without literally knowing yeah myself yeah definitely yeah um what do you think about brexit then in terms of the like the chlorinated chicken or um the things that are going to happen now we've left the eu is it is the food standard going to be better i know there was something going on with the house of commons house of lords about food standards but then i think that got overthrown by the house of lords Um, yes so so we have we've got to deal with the eu which is good brilliant news and it looks promising for agriculture but i think you have to see how these things play out it'll only show over time how good it is but it does look really good and then onto like the chlorinated chicken and all this stuff i wouldn't personally touch it when there are better British alternatives but the biggest issue I have with it is it's actually it's illegal to produce in this country and there's reasons why it's illegal to produce is because it's been shown to have affect health and it's been shown to have uh, poor animal like standards poor (laughs) animal welfare standards so I don't understand why we need to import food that's actually illegal to produce in the country it doesn't make sense to me yeah that is weird haven't they been saying as well that the um antibiotic usage that other countries use is more yeah we we don't use we don't know so we used to but it's something we're tackling and last time i checked we were down like 40 percent on the kind of what we used to yeah yeah what we used to but we're probably one of the world leaders in the lowest usage and the best animal welfare and Mm -hmm. so lower antibiotic usage doesn't mean low animal welfare it means probably higher animal welfare and that the animals are getting looked after better so they don't need the antibiotic usage yeah yeah how much you might not know this and i might just like completely (laughs) on the spot how much does that agri- the agricultural industry have on the economy? Like, how much of the economy is made up of agriculture? Oh, oh, I knew this. Oh, <laughs> I do know this. It's in the back of my head somewhere. Um, so I'm pretty sure it's about... The food and agriculture sector makes up, I think it's about 18 billion. Wow. And then the exports for agriculture... I think it adds another four billion, but I can check that. But I'm pretty sure I know that. Yeah, I think you did a video in a tractor and you said stuff like this, didn't you? Yeah, that was for the um, NFU. So 
they did a Back British Farming Day. Yeah, Farm 20. Or is it a different one? That's a different one. But so the NFU one was Back British Farming Day. That's the day I did the video. And that's to basically to promote British farming. And then Farm 24 yeah. is to promote British farming as well. It's run by the Farmer's Guardian. And mm -hmm. that's basically more of an insight into kind of a British farmer's day, what we do, all yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah, I always, I love seeing Facebook and Instagram when Farm 24 is happening because you can see everyone with the sort of signs and even last year Boris Johnson he he did it which is really good for promoting like British agriculture. So the NFU for people who don't know is the National Farmers Union. Do you want to explain a bit about what they do? Um, so they represent I think it's 55,000 uh, British farmers mm -hmm. so if we want some a law changing or anything like that, the the people to lobby for it. So it's a lot like um, with the Brexit. Yeah. It was the NFU lobbying the government saying we need our animal welfare standards kind of kept, and we need to make sure that we're not compromising in any way or Definitely. that kind of stuff. Yeah, and they do they do a good job. They do a good job. So. For people who might not know, and again, probably people who are farmers are listening to this as well, but why do you go through like a typical day? Just so we get the sense of how hard you work, how early you get up, what time you finish, what you're doing all the time. Why do, or, and also, why don't you go through sort of like the year? So like what you grow at different parts of the year? Yeah, okay. So at the minute, January, so this will be January to... I would say March mm -hmm. is we get up so probably out on the yard for half seven which it's not the earliest I'm not a dairy farmer dairy farmer will be like four o'clock in the morning Ridiculous. and then and then so we'll feed all the cattle which that will take us until pretty much dinner time mm -hmm. and then we'll have dinner and then at the minute a lot of our jobs are just mucking out cows we've been weighing today we've basically whole winter just rev basically revolves around cattle and then as we come into spring still feeding every morning but we'll be sowing getting ready for our arable side to so sowing our crops um how do you do that for people who might not know like you don't just you do use your hands and scatter it on, no. the, on the ground no, we have do it uh so we have a lot quite a lot of different machinery but basically I'll go along on my tractor and get all the ground ready so that's basically one of my main jobs so I work all the ground and then my dad will come along with his tractor and drill and sew everything yeah and then uh so that's spring and then summer we turn out our cows so we turn out about 300 cows every year onto grass a lot of it so is nice when, when they when they come out like it's so nice to see them just they're all bouncing about yeah. yeah I love I love it when they come out it's so nice it's my fa literally my favorite job of the year is turning cows up it's it's, it's just it, you know like the weather's coming nice and everything's green and yeah it's, it's nice, so. uh so well turn them all out and then we summer is oh 
grass time. So we make all our bales of silage and all that. So we have to feed our cattle through the winter. Yeah. And then and for people obviously, who, sorry to interrupt, for people who go, no. like, oh, why do cows, why are they not out all the time? Why are they, why are they in, in the winter? And I, I, I said to someone, I was like, would you want to be out in that rain and that cold and that sleet and that snow and that, what, that wind? No, you'd like to be all like tucked up in your hay or, you know, your bed or your house. Yeah. So I think like, it's not cruel. And I'm just trying to like counterbalance things that people might think is cruel. That's not cruel at all. No, like we we tried this year to outwinter to keep them out some of our cattle outside. Mm-hmm. And just the rain we couldn't it basically the whole field, all the fields we tried to use, they just turned to mud. So it's mm-hmm. not even like they had a dry place to kind of lie down anymore. So they had to come inside. And I guess when the fields are flooded like they are in the northwest in Lancashire, it can't be the best for their, their feet walking on that line. No. Time. It can't be good for the health. So welfare-wise, it's better for them to be indoors in winter. Can't yeah. Sorry. Yeah, so, no, that's, uh, yeah, so that we had to bring them inside. Uh, summer is harvest, so my dad comes along on his combine and shouts at me a lot. <laughs> and then autumn, we might sow some more so winter crops get sown in autumn and, what and then so it's like winter wheat which is basically the same so spring wheat you sow in spring winter wheat you sow in kind of autumn winter mm-hmm. and kind of winter wheat does yield more but it's you have to look after it for a longer period of time so it's not really it can be difficult in soggy Lancashire where <laughs> We're, we can get flooded quite a lot and then we go on to bring in our cows home and then we're getting through to like November December and it's basically just feeding kind yeah. of mucking out all that kind of stuff again what type of cows have you got um because we basically we buy in dairy cross calves mm-hmm. from uh, we have four different dairy farmers so we prefer to buy from farm so we know who we're getting them off what we're getting that kind of thing um and we have liquor i would say it's called licorice all sorts we have everything every breed everything but no they're um we rear them all the way through so my favorite personal favorite is angus because they just they so easy to look after and they're always like when it was it was minus four last night and I came outside and the Anguses are still bouncing about going mental which is great so that's what you want kind of thing and then yeah we rear them all the way through and then they go out on we uh rent off RSPB at Southport so they all go on the salt marshes there so they actually help by the bumpy road yeah down the coast road that's the one and um yeah so they actually we work with the rspb and it's actually to make uh habitats for wading birds and stuff like that stuff you wouldn't even realize that takes place yeah (laughs) how do you feel like after you've reared the cows then like sending them away is do you do you ever get like attached to them or do you sort of um it's I don't know it's more of a pride thing like you've got them that far and you've kept them that well and 
yeah it's it's a pride thing like of course there's a couple that you might get attached to but I think what people think is oh it's a cute calf well when they're going they're not going to be cute calves anymore they're like big like they could hurt you if they wanted to kind of yeah animals so but it's it makes you proud it's yeah. the only way I can put it yeah but. definitely and where does the meat go does it go to supermarkets or what where does it go yeah so we supply Morrison's and we also supply Lidl yeah um we also supply some of them go to kind of different places like Sainsbury's McDonald's but they're like just it's not the main kind of outlet one thing I want to work on is I would quite like to start selling beef boxes and like promoting ourselves that way so so like you straight from you yeah so make it more local people buying it because that'd be good yeah and especially in the pandemic I've loved seeing all these businesses thrive and like local businesses and there are a lot of like local farm shops but it's so it's just so nice like I reared a few pigs like literally three I'm not like big time farmer (laughs) just three pigs and I like I me and my cousin did it let's say Um, yeah and then like people are how are you not gonna get attached to them I'm thinking in my eyes I've just got bacon and sausages in my eyes like (laughs) but um, when the meat came to us like when it had all been butchered and everything and then we just saw how much meat there was and then we'd known I get what you mean with the sense of pride we'd known what we'd fed them we'd known they'd had a good life we'd known exactly what they'd done and we knew it was the real deal like 100% British and when I was selling it I didn't even have to advertise I just was just through conversation and word of mouth do you want this or that and ended up like with you know giving the sausages and everything <laughs> giving all this the pork meat away <laughs> um and this, this, the real, like, it was really good. So I get what you mean with that sense of pride. Um, if you do that, you'll have to let me know. I'll have to buy a box off you. Yeah. Especially well, it's like... Angus's, um, like Aberdeen Angus's, like, they do such... Oh, they make such good steaks. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> they do. But it's, I think there's actually... Because I've been on social media a bit more and I like posting about what we're doing on farm and stuff, I've actually had a lot of people reach out and say they'd like to buy off us because they know they have a good life and they know where it's coming from yeah and all that kind of stuff and it's it's random people like people I went to school with like it's yeah it yeah so it's nice who wants to support you Um, yeah yeah and um back to like summer the one thing I really love when it's summer not in a lockdown, not in COVID times, but is when like it's nice weather, a bit of hay fever, but I can deal with it. And there's like you can just hear the tractors and like the combines all going at night. And it's like my boyfriend was like, Oh, I can hear something. And I'm like, Oh, where is it? Like, what's going on? <laughs> like, I love it. <laughs> and obviously, don't know my tractors as well as you or him, but I do love them. And um, yeah, I think like it's, it's exciting. And when like something else that we should chat about when you see like a tractor on the road and then people are just like overtaking it really dangerously or 
just the impatience they have does that frustrate you yeah like sometimes it's just dangerous and i i will make an effort to pull over if i can but one of the things you have to bear in mind with a tractor is if i don't pull over all the way and you have an accident overtaking me in law that's seen as my fault so if i can't pull over all the way i might not stop if there's a massive queue of traffic behind me i will try and stop at my utmost every farmer does like we all know the struggle of being stuck behind a tractor kind of thing but it's it's just really horrible stupid things like when i've been taking cows to the coast down the coast road that bumpy road yeah people just speeding past you not even looking Mm. and it actually scares you because like there's people walking on the side of the road and there's cars coming the other way and like i've had to slam on to let these people in and it's you fear for other people's safety more than anything because i'm in a big tractor i'll be fine yeah it's more surely it's a bit harder not for you to stop but if you've got like a big trailer on the back with yeah it's hard just to sort of like slam on the brakes isn't it like yeah so like kind of it comes down to like braking distance like Mm. if i've got a full trailer it's going to take me a lot longer to stop than kind of you in a Corsa if or whoever in yeah people need to be a bit more courteous yeah but yeah speaking on that what about like you said in lockdown people have been walking on the walking in the countryside you said about the public footpath being one to 1.5 meters but somewhere six meters and I'm thinking along the lines of sheep farmers or or you know when you're going through their fields closing gates or dogs on leads litter um fly tipping just stuff like really not thoughtful things that must have a huge effect on you if that's your field yeah so it's been a massive problem definitely this year so it's basically like country file did a great topic on it last week it's just be respectful it's not like we're going to walk into your garden and make an absolute mess and then just leave it there and expect you to tidy it up but it can also be dangerous like we've had more wildfires in the past couple of summers from people lighting portable barbecues Mm. which it's not just a cost to farmers it's a cost to wildlife as well which I think people just need to be just be a bit more respectful and most people are it's just we've had that much of an influx in visitors this past year it's insane kind of thing and so if the footpaths the public footpaths are on your field is it the farmer's responsibility to sort of keep it tidy for the walkers or is it not this is a question i have myself uh yeah basically we yeah walked on a, we walked on a public footpath the other day and it was like all overgrown like absolutely horrendous like treacherous and i was thinking is that the farmer's responsibility or who's who's is it the landowners like who's what's the deal if this is a this is a ma- massive problem kind of thing so this comes into like environmental schemes and stuff oh. like that so landowners 
can rent land for however much they want and then but expect the person renting it to take care of it right but if you're renting it you're not going to take care of it as much because you're only going to be there a year so yeah it's but at the minute I don't think farmers are kind of made to look after public footpaths no but if a new environmental scheme came in and it's one of the things the government keep chanting is public money for public good, which I completely agree with. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if you want the public footpaths taken care of and stuff like that, you might have to pay the farmers through environmental schemes. But that's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. At least you'll know it's looked after. Yeah. And I think it's shown this year how much the countryside can benefit people's mental health which is a massive issue at the minute so I think it needs looking into more for sure but it's definitely something that could be done in the future yeah so when you going back to you um when you finished like at my school you went to work away abroad was that um, that's the timeline? Uh, yeah, so I applied for my visa in Canada, to work in Canada, because it's always been a dream of mine. But to work in Canada, it's actually quite difficult to get in. Mm-hmm. So it actually took me nine months to get my visa. And, where and then whereabouts did you go in Canada? Uh, Alberta. Right. So in this, the other side. Yeah, because my boyfriend's family... His auntie lives in Canada. I'm pretty sure, oh, I could get it wrong. I'm pretty sure it's like Alberta. Is it like near Calgary? Calgary? Yeah, Calgary is where I went, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm sure that's right. Um, so what was it like over there? Like, is it, it's like, never eat shredded. It's West, isn't it? West Canada? Yeah, yeah, West yeah, Canada. The States and Canada, I have no idea. The only reason I know a bit more about the States is because I watched the... US elections so I sort of figured out where the states are but Canada like yeah more now I'm going out with Phil but I have no idea so tell me about farming in Canada and what that was like so actually through my skirt we went on because it's a smaller college we get to go on quite a few more trips so we went to the first one we went to Calgary in Canada and we did toured quite a bit around and saw like farming in Canada and then we did another trip to Texas. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, so we toured around Texas as well. And that was amazing. But I loved Canada. It was just a lot kind of, I don't know, it was more kind of my speed. I like the people, that kind of thing. So I applied for my visa. And it's actually kind of strange because... I was looking at farm jobs yeah. and I just randomly applied for, because I think that's one thing with agriculture, you will get a, you can get a job anywhere because everywhere in the world farms, like it's really good if you want to travel, you yeah, can find work on farms wherever. It's universally understood, tractors yeah. are the same everywhere other than makes pretty much and how you sow seeds is the same and how you milk cows is the same everywhere so yeah I've got yes I can imagine it 
such a good opportunity as well like for you to like develop and yeah to learn different things and stuff but actually when I I was applying for farm jobs and I got offered a few and like this happened within a day and then I actually I applied for one random job which was um looking after horses for chuck wagon racing oh, wow. which is it's a rodeo sport and I got offered that one yeah. and I was like well I've never looked after horses in my life before I'm I'm not a horsey girl kind of thing <laughs> but I thought to go kind of tall with a Canadian like the rodeo like that's like a dream isn't it so it's so different to anything here so it's such a yeah what was it like well, this is the thing. Well, I got there. We trained all the horses. Yeah. I um, I went. I did work a few days on the farms. So we did kind of. Have you ever seen like the cowboys kind of branding cows and that mm -hmm. kind of stuff? No, I don't. I, I'm not sure. So in Canada and like in America and Canada, they brand cows. So it's like to stop cattle rustling. Oh. So we did a few like a few days doing that but it was actually with like real cowboys and stuff and then yeah so we went started the rodeo tour kind of thing and I broke my foot and I had to come home yeah I saw that on Facebook like how did you break your foot well and basically at the beginning of the year I'd broken it because I slipped on ice in the yard at home okay and then he I got told it was fine, it was fixed, like go to Canada. And then I was running after a horse and I was full on pelting it. You have to like a last No no like <laughs> yeah. No, but basically they when they're coming in to stop, you kinda have to run alongside them and grab the reins because they're like they're full like they're proper athletes, these horses. So I went to grab them and yeah, I didn't even fall over. This is the thing. I just kind of like rolled my ankle and I went, oh, that hurt. But like, I still managed to like do all my jobs and stuff. And I was just limping and my boss went to me and went, are you okay? Like as a horse stood on your foot. I was like, no, I just, I don't know what I did. And then he was like, you broke your foot before you came out of here out here didn't he and I was like yeah and he was like okay I'm taking you to A&E and I was like I don't want to go because <laughs> like I knew it was broken because like when you've broken a bone and you do it again you know yeah but yeah so but back. I was at, yeah so I plan to go back out this year to oh. like do the same job with the same people but obviously with Good the world being the way it is yeah so didn't think, happen do you think you'll go back there like you've obviously got a good relationship with the people there would you go back to um or do you feel like you've sort of grown out of wanting to work abroad again I'd definitely go back to see the people I might go for a holiday hmm. but would you've got somewhere to go for a holiday in Canada yeah <laughs> but it's um I don't know it's I've kind of like outgrown it now like I want to buy a house and yeah settle down a bit more here than go gallivanting off but it is a great opportunity I'd recommend anyone to work abroad yeah but. or like just somewhere else in the UK like yeah just work 
yeah don't get stuck anywhere kind of go and see the world see different places and then it's like my dad said like I was a bit worried about leaving my dad on his own working on his own and he said well I'm always it's always going to be here for you to come back to so yeah and is that what you think you'll do in the future do you think you'll then take over the farm from your dad or have you got other plans um I think so it's like I want to carry on doing kind of being an advocate for agriculture and doing that whatever comes with that but I think I will just kind of it's what I enjoy most it's really hard like I like getting up and feeding my cows every morning it's what I enjoy and if it's what I enjoy it's what I'm gonna do isn't it so definitely definitely I was going to talk about when you were talking about sort of growing up and that I was going to talk about like young farmers and like how fun they they are and all the do's and how like there's just not been any with COVID and I'm thinking to myself the next young farmer's dinner dance is going to be off off the scale it's going to be I've already bought my dress oh what's it like (laughs) it's green oh nice like a bright green or like a dark green like an emerald green goes with the ginger hair (laughs) Um, like literally a month before lockdown i was at parboard dinner dances yeah same dinner dance yeah oh were you there yeah (laughs) oh wait i can't even i can't really remember it it was really really good i remember we were sat with like the rainford lot and um it was so good and I <laughs> drank a little bit too much not not a lot like but you know and then um, yeah, just the atmosphere because like it, you work so hard you don't really I'm, I don't mean this to sound like rude but you don't get out much because you're working all the time so yeah when events come round, you're gonna make sure you get really dressed up you're gonna make sure you have a good time and it's the atmosphere and the songs that oh I, I miss them so much same that's that's the one thing like I've really missed during lockdown is getting dressed up like because I I were basically my overalls 24 7 yeah (laughs) I miss getting dressed up and going out and seeing my friends and just having fun and I think that goes for everyone this year but yeah kind of has a different meaning when like we don't go out every some of us do but I don't (laughs) go out every weekend because I can't be bothered getting up and feeding the cows hungover every weekend. Like I'd rather save it for a big event yeah, and have the cool. best night. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. No, and I just, I do like the tradition of it. Like I think the AGM in Blackpool, I, mean, I never went, but that kind it's of, mental. that doesn't give the best impression to people in the area of what farmers are like because everyone's like let's go get drunk let's go celebrate let's go party and it gets sometimes a bit like rowdy would that be yeah but like it's hard to explain to people but for a lot of young farmers that is their only holiday for the year so we don't do the whole going to Ibiza a lot of us we don't do going to Magaluf anything like that it's basically about going out going to see your friends and I know it can get rowdy but at the same time Blackpool AGM young farmers bring five million pounds into Blackpool in one weekend no really yeah yeah like uh 
Revolution in Blackpool, I think, made £365,000 in one weekend. That's crazy. That's mental. It is. But then I love how, like, like Garstang show, that didn't happen this year, but how they normally have, like, a do after that and, like, tractor pulling, they normally have a do after that. I just yeah. love the social aspect of it. It's, like, your lifestyle and your hobby and your social. I like how it's all connected. It's good. Yeah. Um, I want to ask about women in farming. And yeah. I want to ask how, um, how that is. You're one of like I don't know how to phrase it you're sort of as I said to you before I started recording like when I thought about doing agriculture and women in agriculture you were the first person who came into my head because you talk so openly about it you talk about how you're like oh is your dad there where's the farmer and it's like no you can talk yeah understand what you're gonna ask how how is that like um it's basically so I think it's it's only 28% of like the British agricultural workforce is women. Yeah. But it is changing. Why do you think that is? Because quite a lot, is it because like it's heavy machinery and people, girls don't think they're strong enough? Is it because they're not taught it in school? Yeah, it's, it's a very male dominated industry. And if you want to come into it as a female, you have to know that you're going to get some stick. Mm. and but you have to know that you can give it back and like I still feel like if I go to do so if someone rings my dad and says can you come and bail this field and he sends me Mm. I know that I have to prove it to the person yeah which I don't think I think it's difficult because there's certain jobs in agriculture that are seen as women jobs and there's certain so milking cows feeding calves but if it doesn't require machinery or tractors yeah Yeah. so like I think if a girl applies for more of doing tractor work or stuff like that they basically a lot of them haven't had the opportunity to do that before So it's kind of getting the opportunity, whereas I've luckily been doing it because it's what we do at home kind of thing. And we have a girl from Mayuska who comes, Mm -hmm. um, Sam, and she's brilliant. And she's been kind of, we let her let loose on the tractors and stuff and teach her the way and kind of that. It is changing and it is getting better. But it's just, it's a very kind of old-fashioned kind of industry in a lot of ways, but... Yeah. I was going to say, do you feel like quite a lot of it as well is, like, maybe men or, like, the bravado that they're better at tractor driving? Like, the tractor seat is for the man. The side seat is for the pretty little girlfriend to just sit in and look pretty. Is that... That's sometimes that, that... that vibe... Yeah, that really annoys me. Like, I have a passenger seat. You should, have, you should some, have a boyfriend sat on the side. Yeah, can some lad come and bring me a chippy tea once and sit on my tractor seat? Yeah. But <laughs> that annoys me it, as well when it's like, oh, the, the boys are working hard. Like, they do work hard, and I'm not taking that away. But then it's like, the girls run after with the food and then sit on the seat and act pretty and watch the sunset and chat. Like, yeah. 
that it it does kind of like, I, I don't knock anyone who does it it's just no, me neither to be fair but but it's just kind of I don't know like I want to see a future where it's more women doing it as well definitely like basically just given the same opportunities it's not, not a lot to ask like not you not having to feel like oh gosh I'm going to do this now I've got a bit more pressure because I'm a girl to prove myself and be amazing like and it is it is more pressure because it's like my dad says if I go to bale field the farmer will stand there and watch me bale it to make sure I can do it really and like yeah yeah <laughs> like once you've proved yourself to them once they're like oh it's it's amy yeah. like but then you'll probably be treated a bit like like one of the lads maybe like because you're a yeah or maybe not yeah but like i've always felt kind of a bit more one of the lads because of what i do anyway if that makes sense so like but it's just and it is changing when you're in a in like your emerald dress that young farmer do is like all dressed up like shows a different side to people yeah but it's it is difficult like people just I think I am a bit there is more people coming into it like me but sometimes I do feel like I'm a bit one on my own like young farmers do at times <laughs> but I think everyone feels that way sometimes don't they yeah. I remember when I went to like like when I went to a young farmer's deal and I didn't know I only knew one person and I didn't know the people and I was like oh like what am I gonna do I feel on my own but I know what you mean with like feeling on your own in that way but yeah there's definitely more women I know so many more girls who are like working on farms and tractor driving there's someone down near me in much hall and they have you know someone but that's it shouldn't be that it shouldn't be you thinking for, for women out there should it, it should just be like oh this girl this boy you know same yeah um i'm going to ask you a few questions that i put on my instagram to ask no worries and then we'll sort of finish and we just i could talk about this all day it's so interesting <laughs> what's one thing you'd change about farming for it to be more inclusive um it's difficult because it's probably people's impressions kind of is kind of deep root deep set kind of stuff but yeah I think it is very hard for people who aren't born into the industry as well to get into it yeah because it's sometimes so hard to buy a farm if you wanted to be a farmer and like set up and had no idea about anything like most farms are just like passed through generations like that's, like, that's so expensive it's a massive problem in the industry at the minute is most I think the average age of a farmer is like 65 <laughs> I can imagine that so it's really hard to for pe new people to come in and it's it's just it just is but yeah. I think as time goes on it is changing and there's more girls coming in and there's people from different backgrounds coming in and there's it's it is changing it is getting it's more hopeful for sure but yeah it's just very hard to get that those first kind of steps into it yeah cool next question veganuary versus is it reganuary i don't even know what rig is it reganuary 
Yeah, so this was a post made by someone called The Ethical Butcher on, I think it was Instagram or Facebook, one of them. Mm-hmm. So basically, I'll kind of start with Veganuary. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not against vegans whatsoever because they're still going to buy British produce. Vegan extremists, however, kind of a bit more. Don't know. It was a time, wasn't there, when they would like chain themselves to farm gates and like just trespass in farmland. And I was- yeah, that's been a massive issue over the past couple of years is people there was a post actually this is recently um a vegan group on facebook saying that they've managed to steal a calf from a dairy farm in cheshire wow and what are they gonna which do? this is the thing Let it if break. a farmer moved an animal without its passport like that farmer would get serious repercussions kind of thing but i like if you want to be vegan be vegan just don't spread lies or yeah. shove it down other people's throats kind of thing but the thing with veganuary is why choose january the month of like one of the months of the year where there is little f- kind of fruit and veg produced in the uk fresh fruit and veg you're just going to increase the imports and this is just like and you're doing all this in the name of kind of global warming Whereas it doesn't work like that. Avocados and how how bad they are or something, because they're not grown in this country. No, so, like, you're just going to increase the imports. Like, one of the actual worst kind of foods for the environment is rice. Really? Yeah, so I did... Basically, I'm a bit of a geek, and I read this stuff all the time. <laughs> but rice is thought to be responsible for like 2.5 percent of human induced climate warming which is equivalent to 1200 coal power stations and that was an actual study done the guardian covered it but it was some dr crim 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 something crim i can't remember something crim yeah yeah so basically it doesn't make sense to me so if you wanted to do a veganuary, maybe do it in June or July where there's loads of fresh produce. Yeah, you get like without the miles. Fresh all the things. I just know asparagus is around that time. <laughs> yeah. And then so but kind of re-January is it's not against vegans either, because vegans can take part in it. It's basically if you participate, it's about sourcing as much regional and British produce as possible. Oh. So it's eating meat and veg produced in your region, which is massively more sustainable than importing a load of food. Yeah. And I think that's what we need to focus on is the sustainability of our food and where we're sourcing it from. Yeah. So, so British produce that is made to like the highest environmental standards in the world will always be more sustainable it doesn't matter if it's meat or veg kind of thing so yeah yeah no I I get that another question what are your thoughts on vegan butchers so this comes after Asda yeah leading supermarket giant Asda has announced that it will be trialing a new vegan butcher counter at some of its stores in the UK 
Starting exclusively at Watford, potentially expanding further, this six-month trial will offer a wide range of vegan products such as bacon, vegetarian bacon, bean burgers, and meat-free meatballs. Um, it's one thing that kind of strikes me first is vegan butcher. Butcher is it's a highly skilled profession and people train for years to get good at it. So it's like me coming along and saying, oh, I'm a vet. I'm not a vet. I haven't got any qualifications to be a vet and I've never trained to be one. But I'm sure that kind of annoys me. And as well, like, it's just the words. Like, it sounds so stupid, but you know, where we are in the world at the minute, words really matter. And like, mm-hmm. the definition of butchery, like in the dictionary is someone who cut- is cutting up and selling meat in a shop. Yeah, I literally just typed in the definition. Yeah. Such an oxymoron that it's like, what are they going to, are they cutting up lettuce? Is that like, it does undermine the term butcher. It does. And um, the other thing that I don't understand is in 2019, only 1.16% of the population is vegan. So... Yeah, I agree. More. They need, but, yeah. Yeah, that's surprising. I agree, like, they need kind of alternatives because they really need it in their diet to be healthy. But, because, like, meat... I know I'm a beef farmer, but meat has some of the highest levels of protein, B12, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But, like, so they need it, but I'm just wondering who are they selling it to if it's only 1.16% of the population? Obviously the whole of Watford. <laughs> if, they're, <laughs> if they're all concentrated there, no. Yeah, I, I get what you mean. It's like they're sort of not overproduce. They could be overproducing these things if, like you said, there's, there's not, not as many as meat eaters from that percentage, that statistic, that fact. I get that some people might want to try it. Yeah, absolutely. But I I don't know. Yeah. I don't like the term. No. I think that's about we'll, it. We'll end the vegan chat there. Um, yeah. So finally, to conclude, I thought this was a really good question to end on. Um, and I thought you could sort of sum up anything that you want to say about farming as well. Um, what are the best ways to educate people into backing British farming? social media okay we need more people promoting british farming because i know it sounds crazy but veganuary only started on social media it is only on social media yeah and it's got massive Mm. so we need we could we need to do that with british farming kind of thing like there is some brilliant people out there like tom pemberton and um the Red Shepherdess and people like that who are brilliant at it. But we need more people like that yeah. who show all the sides of farming, show what we're doing. And to break the stigma of how it's, it's not just like... Old men. That was what I was going to say. Yeah, it's, you know, break that stigma. Do you think it should be taught in schools? Do you think there should be like a um, agriculture? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I've done quite a few school visits. That's the other one I was going to say. And it's kind of shocking at how 
little children know about where their food comes from. It's, it'll blow your mind kind of thing that you go into a school and they can't name kind of of different vegetables or like some kids think, what was it? There was one, there was a question I asked one of them and I think it was like, oh, where does, what animal does beef come from? And what was their answer? I think it was literally like, 30% of them couldn't, didn't know. Wow. So, So like, but they, they, like, they shouldn't have an idea. 100% they should know where their food comes from. And, like, the NFU have, we, as an ambassador, I got training into speaking in schools. Mm -hmm. And it's something they're trying to roll out so that you can do talks in high schools because it's all good talking to primary schools, but high schools is where kind of, they've got more access to the internet. They kind of know a bit more, that kind of thing. But obviously with COVID, we've not been able to go in. So we're going in like their PSHE lesson. Because I, I um, it should be part of the school curriculum. I feel like it should be a subject where you learn about it. Obviously not examined, examined, but like, just that knowledge, like you said, they need to know. I thought like food technology class would be a brilliant place. Like even science, there's so much science in farming. Yeah. But it's like the agricultural community is trying. So like I've signed up to be a FaceTimer farmer. So I've been linked to a school in London Mm-hmm. and at the minute I'm just trying to we're just trying to figure out around Covid when I can start so what do you but, do? so once a week they'll kind of FaceTime me and basically I just say what I've been doing that week ask me any questions that they have and yeah just that kind of stuff but I wonder if in more cities and London centric areas they have even less of an idea compared to people in the country that'd be interesting I did this is gonna make me sound like a massive geek um so for my uni dissertation this is what I did so I went into schools so I went into a rural school Mm -hmm. what people cast as a rural school a rural urban fringe school which is kind of on the border Mm -hmm. and then kind of my kind of urban school was the middle of Wigan kind of thing yeah. And there was a big difference between kind of the urban schools and then the other two. But when it came to the other two schools, there wasn't much of a difference mm-hmm. on to like their knowledge. One of the questions I asked them to do was draw a farm. And you would not believe the amount of kids that drew kind of the Fortnite farm, the computer game. Like, that's the only place, that's the only farm they could think of was a computer game, which you could use that. Like, people, the agricultural community could use that if, but we just, I don't know, but social media is a massive one, school visits, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, 
And if people want to follow you, follow what you're doing on social media, how can they sort of contact you or follow along with what you're doing? Uh, so probably the best one is my Instagram, which is Amy with a Y and then Ging Wilkinson, because I'm ginger. <laughs> That's good. So yeah, if you want to follow Amy, it's at Amy Ginge Wilkinson, A-M-Y-G-I-N-G-E and then Wilkinson, where she posts a lot of like interesting updates. And then on her story, she talks about what she's up to particular days and stuff. Um, so yeah. Back British farming, guys. Yes, please do. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. Since recording this episode with Amy, she has indeed gone on to set up her beef box business um, and you can find them on instagram at southport salt marsh beef that's southport salt marsh beef to buy quality beef reared on their farm to keep up to date with all things from a lancashire lass follow on facebook and instagram at from a lancashire lass